Hello, and welcome to Pieta Terrible. I am Amanda Lauren, your formerly sick co-host. It's really funny. When I started this in December, I started a little bit sooner than I thought. January was nuts. I did one episode, and then I have an episode I recorded, I think, three weeks ago with this amazing interior designer, Alexis Rogers, and I've been meaning to post it. I was sick for the entire month of February. I swear this is not the podcast about complaining. Um, I have just been so sick to the point where, like, every other word is a cough. Like, (coughs) like I'm making myself cough as a joke, but really I was just coughing. Um, It sucked. So I'm back. I'm finally able to speak. I have a cough drop in my mouth and a lot of energy. It is Saturday night. I am sitting in my closet, so the sound is half decent. Um, I know my life is so good. Don't you just envy my glamorous life? Um, actually, I have to catch up on work because I did nothing for the month of February, and I'm so behind on life. But I really wanted to launch this podcast. I wanted to talk to all of you. I want to take off my bracelets because they're screwing up the sound. Um, it's so funny because I recorded a lot of episodes of this, like, in December, and then I deleted them all because I didn't think they were good enough. Now, if you're, like, a therapist and listening, you're, like, analyzing me because I'm, like, no one wants to hear me talk about design for 40 minutes, but then I'm, like, people listen to Jackie Schimmel talk on Bitch Bible for an hour about housewives and salt and potato chips, I don't know if she talks, she does talk about those things. And I was actually, I just Patreoned her and I was listening to like an old episode and she was talking about salt or maybe that was a new episode. I honestly can't even remember. Anyway, in February, I spent a lot of time at home um, listening to podcasts and sleeping and taking antibiotics and steroids and um, consuming half my weight in cough drops. So that, that was good. And I recorded this episode over Uber conference, so the sound is not – it's weird. I feel like there's something wrong with my phone and that I can't hear people on it, but I think the sound is decent. Uber conference is what we use for things we're too lazy to blog about. Um, it's basically a conference line where it just it tapes the call for you, and it's free, and it's easy, and I'm a big fan of it. Shout out, Uber conference. Um, but anyway – I sort of wanted to talk about the subject of today's show um, because I wanted to do a little intro, trying to sort of feel out this podcast here. It's so funny because my other one we have like down to a science, Allie and I, and then I'm sitting here in a closet talking to myself, or rather talking to a computer, and I hope you all listen. Um, So I interviewed interior designer Alexis Rogers of Home with Alexis. She's a designer outside of Philadelphia. Super talented. I mean, ridiculously talented. I featured her work in Forbes a bajillion times because I think she's so good at what she does. In fact, I'll be honest. If I buy a house, when I buy a house, trying to manifest that shit, um, in L.A., I would probably have her do it from a distance um, from Philly and then at some point have her come out a few times because I feel like no one understands my style um, better than her. Or rather, Allison Weiss-Brady's style, which is secretly my style. Um, That's a house that I feature. I feature Allison's house a lot on Forbes because I think it's like one of the most beautiful, most interesting houses I've ever seen. If I ever go to like... If I ever go to Philadelphia, Allison, and if you're listening, and she's always sharing my stuff on Facebook, so maybe she is listening, um, I'm coming over, and I want to see your house because I, I think it's amazing, and I've only seen pictures. But I digress. What we got into in the show was about what interior designers do, how they work, how you can use them, how you can best communicate with them, etc. Because I'll be honest, I think that, like, Everyone thinks they're a designer because of Pinterest and Instagram, and, like, you're not. Now, obviously, there's a lot more DIY today than there was, you know, years ago, and I think that's good. Like, I think we can DIY some things, but I'll be honest. If you're buying real estate, like, like you have a mortgage or, like, you paid in cash. I don't know anyone who paid in cash for their real estate, but maybe you did, Um If you are going to really spend money on something, you should do it right. Um, I really, like, I mean, 
this is the thing. It's actually not... I was writing this article for Forbes like two weeks ago about things that rent about apps for renovations and home projects. And there was one called Havenly and there was one called Modsy. And they're basically interior, you know, online interior designers. And I think that that is something, at the very least, I would do that. I'll be honest with you. Like I do these, I was telling someone the other day, I was on a conference call with some PR people in New York, and they were telling me about a brand that they were working with that I really like. Um, And I was saying how, like, I don't... When I do these influencer roundups, which are kind of what I'm known for on Forbes, like I have Lauren from The Skinny Confidential, and I have um, Adelita Adovic, and I have... Who else has been on it? Um, Chakra Girl, um... Amberly Lyons, a bunch of, and I've had Teddy Mellencamp, and I've had basically celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers, and I show different rooms in their home. And I will say, I know the difference of someone who used an interior designer and someone who didn't, and I know it in two seconds. And I just, and these are people, by the way, I look like, I get that not everyone has Teddy Mellencamp money, but you can really, and I, I'm not even sure, I'll tell you, I think she just used the people at Restoration Hardware between you and me. Um, no, she might have. Can't remember exactly, but she bought everything at Restoration Hardware. Um, you know, it's, you just really can tell the difference of someone who DIY'd something, someone who just went to the store and picked out a bunch of stuff versus someone who paid someone to help them do it. Now, I know that that's not possible for everyone. And I know if you live in, it's so funny. I was saying to someone, I'm like, I don't know if people who live in like rural areas, for example, if they're local interior designers, but this is what I do know. For a few hundred bucks online, and Kelty Knight used Havenly, you can get like an online interior designer to do the whole thing for you, to really help you arrange your furniture, get things that are the right size. And let me tell you, because like I rent, my bedroom is so hard to move around in. It's so annoying. It's like the bane of my existence. We have a king size bed, which like we really should have a smaller bed, but my husband's a big guy and we have um, a 75 pound English bulldog, Milo, and my 12 pound Chihuahua pug. So like the four of us are sleeping in this bed. So it needs to be king sized realistically, we should have gotten a California king-size bed because it's shorter and wider, but that's, that's for another day. We have the dresser over, we have the dresser, you know, right in a few, literally a few inches from the foot of the bed, and um, an armoire in one corner of the room, and then nightstands on each side of the bed. We have like so much furniture in this little room. And if we didn't have like 10 foot ceilings, to be honest, like it just, it would look like it's crammed AF, but it, it's nice. Um, there are pictures of it on Instagram. We actually, I hate to say this, we might be moving. I really don't want to move. Um, but we have to negotiate with our landlord in a few days. Um, so I will be taking more pictures inside the apartment. Um, because I really want to stay here. It just depends on what they want to do and their policies. And anyone who listens to my other podcast, Things We're Too Lazy to Blog About, um, I talk about how nightmarish my neighbors are. Luckily, all the neighbors that sucked moved. I'm not even kidding. We had this neighbor that um, they felt like they were too good to like close their door. So their dogs would run out and they almost attacked um, Allie when she was pregnant. And that was really scary. Um, we actually had to call animal control because we had been fighting with them over a year. I know it's so hard to close your door. Like everyone else in this building, like every other dog owner knows like you have to close your door, um, and lock it. So the dogs don't paw on the, um, handle. Cause we don't have knobs. We have handles. And these dogs, they were so huge. They would get out. It drove me insane. Um, but we knew the animals weren't going to be... I, I did call animal control on them, but we knew the animals weren't going to be put to sleep because um, it was the first time. But I think they got like a $1,200 fine. But guess what? 
if you can't be a person and you can't control your dogs and your dogs bite people and my dogs and me and chase my friends, then like, you know what? Too fucking bad. I digress. I always digress. So what I'm trying to say is, oh my God. Um, I have a lot of furniture in my bedroom. And to be honest, I think even though we rent in retrospect, so tell you the story of us moving. I might have mentioned it in the last episode, but I thought I should like talk about it a little bit here. And by the way, I want to apologize if you can hear my cough drop or my coughing. I'm still getting over this illness. Um, we were in, I met my husband, he was in New York. I was in LA and we dated long distance and then he got a job here. So we, um, my batch, we moved into my bachelorette pad together, knowing we weren't going to be there forever. Um, and we fell in love with the, in the building, in the building, with the building that we're in now. Um, and my bachelorette, like, ugh, I just had a bad landlord. It was a whole kashaw. Anyway, we looked at apartments. It's in one of those buildings that's a quote unquote community. So we saw other apartments in the building, but the problem was this building. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to brag, but it is kind of fancy. But let me tell you, if you saw the last place I lived in, you'd be like, Amanda, you totally deserve to live in a nice building. Um, I like, they didn't have to high speed internet here. Like it was like an old AT&T system and we knew they were going to upgrade what we literally called them every single day. This was like three years and change ago. Um, about uh, like, did you get the new internet? Did you get the high speed internet? Did you get it? Did you, like we annoyed the shit out of these people. I'm surprised they let us fucking move in. Um, so we did. And we took an apartment on the first floor of this building because that was all that was available in a one bedroom. It was in our budget, and it worked. It was a little bit cramped. So (coughs) I guess about nine months after we lived there, the current apartment we're in became available, and we took it sight unseen. It's a one-bedroom with an office. It has 25-foot high ceilings in the living room and a gorgeous spiral staircase, and my office is my office slash glam room. It is a view of the Hollywood sign. It's gorgeous. I love, I've always said this is the nicest apartment I'll ever rent. If we move someplace else, I don't think I'll ever, I'll tell you, I don't think I'll love any other apartment as much as I love this. Like it has, it has just such good vibes. It has a beautiful view. I love everything about it. And we have to keep your fingers crossed that my landlord lets us stay here and um, negotiates with us. Hopefully they will. They've been, they've been good to me. Um, but there's no, you know, there are no definites. I feel like this is like talking to a therapist I don't have. Um, but anyway, they, someone was living in the apartment when we leased it, but we had seen a similar one that had an office on the floor we're on, um, because there are not that many apartments that's a one bedroom with an office. And I was just like, let's just take it. Like, I'm sure it's fine. I remember seeing the other one. It was gorgeous. Like, it'll it'll work. And my husband was, like, nervous. And I'm like, we need to sign this. So we took it sight unseen. And we actually took the one on the first floor, which was, it's basically the same floor plan, more, the living room was a little bit bigger. But this living room has, like, the spiral staircase up to the office. So we had sort of taken that site unseen because we saw a different, again, we had just, like, taken tour of the building and we knew all the finishes were the same because it's a community. Um, so we knew that when we, this was, we were engaged, we weren't married yet, but obviously we knew we were getting money for the wedding, which was exciting. And also, all of my furniture just needed to be replaced. I literally moved here with two pieces of fur- three pieces of furniture, a crate and barrel desk, a crate and barrel chair, which is, by the way, a traditional style that's nothing like anything else in this apartment, but we somehow made it work. You know when you buy a good piece of furniture, and even if it doesn't go, you just make it work because you're like, I need this piece of furniture in my life still. There's nothing wrong with it. Although... It does have a very big scratch on it. Um, And an ex-boyfriend of mine threw his keys on it. Wanted to, like, murder him. I mean, I shouldn't say that. No. You know what's funny? We're still very good friends. (laughs) And we're in the same sketch comedy group together. So there you go. I don't hate him that much. But thanks, Michael, for ruining my desk. Um, 
So I moved here with that, the matching chair. And then, um, which is funny because I think we've since gotten rid of that chair. I have no idea where it went. And um, this table that I had made from Ikea that had these limited edition legs. Actually, someone else created this table. It's like that make your own desk thing from Ikea. And I was using it as a dining table. And now it is outside. It has totally been rained on. The top has been replaced three times. It has been totally destroyed. Um, and there is a tablecloth over it. It's kind of, <laughs> it's like the ghettoest thing. Like once a year I go to Ikea and I just get a new top for $9. Um, the joke, like I should just like buy an outdoor table, but I'm really cheap in very strange ways where I'm like, no, let's just replace the top every year for $9. I could buy a table for outdoor table for $50. Um, instead of having this disgusting thing. And then we have these beautiful CBT, CBT, CB, CB2 chairs around it that we bought. Um, and I think all but one is like a floor model and they're indoor outdoor chairs that they actually still make in different colors. Um, it doesn't really look ghetto, but if you lift up the tablecloth, uh, you can tell how ghetto that table is. But anyway, um, we just moved in we knew the dimensions of the space and I just, we just picked furniture and we just assumed it would work out. And for the most part it did. I mean, we did have to replace the sofa. Um, with, if you look at my Instagram, there's a green, we, right now we have a green velvet sofa and it's really beautiful. I won't say where it's from unless you email or DM me. I won't tag them because the company, um, the store where we bought most of our furniture actually created a lot of problems for us and we were not really happy with the quality and it was not cheap. So not to be a jerk, but like, um, I'm not going to tag you, but I don't want to say what company it is because that kind of looks bad, but it's not, but, um, the Novogratz makes a similar sofa if you want one that's inexpensive. And Anthropology, if you want to spend real money, also makes a similar, more high-end one. But we have a green velvet sofa with a chair. Um, and it replaced a, um, like, a gray, turned out to be fake leather, even though they told us it was real leather, sectional. Um, and then we have... Um, you know, like an entertainment unit. Although I have to say, I don't ever want to buy another entertainment unit. I just really want to get like our flat screen nailed to the wall and put on an arm so I could see it in the kitchen. Um, hashtag apartment living. Um, but we had gotten all this, like I said, the bedroom is just filled with furniture. It doesn't look bad. Like most people would say, we just have like a white lacquer dresser and side tables. Um, and, like, a fake, like, a wood veneer armoire from Wayfair that I love. It definitely adds a different look. And then we have a bed from Wayfair. Now, I know I mentioned Wayfair a lot, but I really like Wayfair. Actually, they have an online interior design thing, too. And they have so much affordable furniture. Actually, I'll tell you how much I'm going to brag. I got my bed on Wayfair, I think, for $600 or $650 for a king-size bed, and it's gorgeous. And if you're watching Real Housewives of New York, Sonia Morgan has a very similar one that I'm sure she paid 10 times as much for. Um, and they just have, I don't know, I just really like that. I like All Modern. They're great. They have great customer service, and I'm so happy. It's funny because, like, I always say that I don't always recommend things that are inexpensive, but they just have a range of prices, and I'm so, like, I'm so glad to work with them. Also, their team is really great. They've been, they've been really great to me in terms of getting me information, and just they're always innovating. They're always doing new things. They work with a lot of great vendors in them. I'm just proud to say that I'm just like happy to to recommend them that if you are only I would say like if you're literally only going to go one place just go to Wayfair they have like they literally have everything you need um but anyway it's constant aggression but this is sort of fun talking about how I didn't decorate my apartment with a designer um 
I, in retrospect, should have done an online interior design thing. It was really stupid not to because while my apartment is, and I always say that like, it's it's great compared to, to most people. Like, obviously, if I didn't have semi-decent taste, I wouldn't be writing about interior design for Forbes. But I always feel like it would have made it so next level had I had a professional, even though it's a rental, do it. Also, they can help keep you on budget. Like, I definitely, there were some things that, like, I'll tell you, we over, I don't want to tell you how much the entertainment center was, but we could have gotten one for half the price, but my husband really wanted it, so, like, I wasn't going to argue. Um, and I just think that having a professional, even if it's online, okay, if you know you're going to stay somewhere for a while um, as a renter, I still think it's worth, it's worth the money. Or if you buy something, get someone in there. You know, you might not be able to do it for your whole house, but, like, even if you just do it for, like, the living room and maybe the kitchen, just to get an eye, I think that makes so much more sense, and it's a much easier way to stay on budget, and they know so much more than you do than trying to just choose things yourself. I mean, there was an influencer. I don't want to say what roundup it was, um, because I don't want to be mean, Um, but this was someone who had bought a home, renovated a room, and I could just tell it was such, and I put her in because she's, she's nice. And it's not that the room was bad. There was nothing wrong with the room, but it was just, it was already so dated, the style of it. And it was such like garbage. Um, and this is someone that like could have just had someone do it. And it's like, she was like a fashion influencer. Um, and so it's like, and by the way, just because you're good at fashion doesn't mean, like, you know about home design um, and vice versa. I mean, if you saw the way I dressed every day, like, in leggings and, like, a sports bra and a tank every single day. Um, but I just think that if you own your home, I, I can't imagine not doing it right. And at the end of the day, you're probably going to save money if not spend the same amount. So that's my tip for the day. So, but if you want to get someone IRL, Alexis and I have a conversation about how it really works, um, getting an interior designer, how she works, how her company works, what they do. And I think it's sort of a fascinating look at that industry. Um, Especially because I feel like sometimes you just don't know. Like, wait, how does this work? How do you do it? Do they do your whole house? Do they do a room? Do they do construction? She talks about all that. It's a really informative conversation. So here it is. Um, all of Alexis's information is in the show notes. Um, enjoy. If there's any topics you want me to discuss, please email me, amandalauren212 at gmail.com. Uh, the email is in the show notes. Um, as well, if you are an interior designer, if you're in this world, you want to be a guest, um, please email me. Also, if you've enjoyed this, rate this show five stars on iTunes, write a nice review. It's good karma. And here we go with Alexis. I'm going to shut up. Hello, and welcome to Pieta Terrible. I'm Amanda Lauren, and I am on the line with, I don't want to say, like, I'm going to sound bad now because I pick favorites, but she happens to be my favorite interior designer. If you read my article on Forbes, she's always on Forbes because she's so talented. I'm on the oh line with Alexa. No, but you really are, though. No, you're really my favorite, and I, I don't even care about saying that. Like, I don't care if people get offended. Like, you're ridiculously talented, and what you do is amazing. 
I'm on with Alexis Rogers, who is an interior designer in the Philadelphia area. Hi, Amanda, and thank you for having me. I am, I'm so happy to have you. So what I wanted to talk about today was interior designers in general, whether people are going to use you or whether they're going to use someone else. But I feel like, like, I feel like the internet is good in the way that like, there are so many places to get inspiration and it's like why I have a job. But it also makes everyone think that they're an expert on design and DIY when most of the time, like, they're not. Um, and they have no idea where to even begin. And I also think it can intimidate people because I think sometimes we see these things. Um, you know, we'll see these beautiful renovated rooms and people just think that they're DIY. But a lot of the time, there is a brilliant interior designer behind the idea, um, especially with influencers. And I can always tell who uses a designer and who doesn't. So I wanted to sort of get into for people who have never, maybe there's someone listening who is renovating a home or they're thinking about buying a home or, and they just don't, they know that they don't have great taste or maybe they have a specific idea in mind and they don't really know what an interior designer does or, or where to start. So I'd love to know sort of when someone says to you, okay, I'm, I need you for a project, where do you begin with them? Like, what is the process like? So when somebody asks for services, the first thing I ask is, are they looking for interior design work for a specific room or for the house as a whole? Because if it's going to be a lot of our clients are clients that are moving to Philadelphia area from out of state and they want their whole home done. And actually, that's the best way to do it because it's an empty canvas. And we know going in that everything is going to end up flowing seamlessly from one room to the next because they're hiring us, you know, in the very beginning before they've picked anything, before the lighting, the furniture, the finishes. You know what I mean? Nothing. It's, it's just an empty canvas waiting for those, those you know, updates and transformations. If it's somebody who needs us for a specific room and the rest of the house is already completed, it could be even a little trickier, believe it or not, even though it seems like really? simpler because it's only one room. Because mm-hmm. I, I touched upon this before because blending something new into what's already there, it's a challenge. And like you had said, just a couple minutes ago, we're living in the age of HGTV and Pinterest and Hounds and Instagram and everyone saving their ideas to their idea books and getting excited and, and implementing things. But sometimes what was a great idea in theory doesn't exactly pan out well in the home because so many different factors. And so I would say the first thing we ask is what's the scope of work? We'll, we'll have a consultation with the client in their home and do a full walkthrough and give them our thoughts on where the home stands in its current state and if it's a project we think we'll be successful working on together. And it could be intimidating if you've never worked with an interior designer because you don't know the fee structure, the pricing structure, and how much you're going to end up spending. So sometimes we'll ask if you have a budget and other times, we'll basically let you know what we think the budget should be for a job well done. If you have, I mean, well, if I you have questions that about a lot of sense. Yeah, and I was going to ask I you if you have questions about. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, 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 you go ahead. I was going to say, so a lot of times, um, it's it's good to let us sort of make a list of things we think the house needs, and then based on the price point of the home. And the architecture and what's going on, we can give you an average of what we think the home needs for purchases, which is good if you, if you trust us and let us do that for you, because then it gives us the breathing room that we need to pick the right items for the house. Because if it's a budget that was set arbitrarily, like, oh, we have, you know, $5,000 left from our tax return. So that's what we have for furniture. You know, here you go. It might not work out because 
you know, we need to have enough to cover the right kinds of items for the room. So I think, I mean, I know it's easier for me to say this, but I, I think it's better if you let the designer sort of let you know what they think you would need for a purchasing budget. No, I, I agree with you. I think that people have no idea how much things cost. And I think the, and I'll tell you, I think the fact that there's so much stuff, I mean, I was, when I was buying furniture, um, I don't know if I explained this on a previous episode. I recorded a lot of episodes of this podcast that I did not air, um, and that I ended up scrapping. So I don't know if I said it in the last episode, but when I moved into my current place, I literally, we had seen a different apartment in the building. All I had was a floor plan. And I had, and we were moving from, well, it was a different apartment in the same building we originally moved into, but I decided to get rid of all of my furniture because it was just my bachelorette pad furniture with the exception of two pieces that I kept. I literally just wanted to get rid of everything. My husband moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. And I'm like, eh, you don't have anything worth saving. Worth, I, eh, we do still have some of his old stuff at like his parents' house and my parents' house. But there was nothing worth sending here. So we were having a blank canvas. And you could literally spend your entire life looking at sofas online or tables or yeah. any of it. You can buy right, it for five literally. Yeah, everything's available now to you online. It used to be, I mean, I think this was decades ago where you would actually have to go on a hunt to brick and mortar stores and you would get printouts of things and then that would be your selection. But now you just sit in front of your computer and you can buy a sofa from anywhere, any country in any color and any, you know, there's so many options, but, but is it going to work out? Cause there's a lot more and you know, and I know because we've had our share of our own mm-hmm. sofas that are in the sofa graveyard, but yeah. um, <laughs> there's just a lot of things you got to consider in a space. It's true. It's, it's totally true. Or I think people are under the impression. I mean, I know someone that DIY their own bathroom and almost finished it, but they decided to move in the middle of redoing their bathroom um, for like $3,500. And it actually looked good. I have no idea. I mean, I think it was kind of like a miracle that they just ended up picking the right things. But if I were to redo a bathroom, I mean, off the top of my head, it would be $30,000 for me to, for me to re- redo it. And that's probably at the very minimum, um, you know, to redo a bathroom. I mean, because yeah, like the that. time, it, it takes a lot of time. You know, Young House Love, they're <laughs> really good at that. But I mean, it's, it's a full-time labor of love. So that's what they do full-time is their own DIY renovation. So it's good in theory, but not many people um, have that kind of time unless it's, that's what their business is, documenting their DIY journey. <laughs> but, well, you know, picking the right materials is, what were you saying? No, I was saying this person's husband happened to be really good at these things. But, like, I think that's so – but I also feel like when it comes to things that involve actual construction, you can get yourself into so much trouble. Yeah, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble because you don't know what's going on behind the walls until until it's maybe too late, until you, you know, hit the wrong pipe. So it's not the kind Mm -hmm. of liability that I want to – I really want to get myself into. So, you know, picking the right materials is – it's time consuming if done right. And I like to leave it to the professionals to implement, but I do envy, I must say, I envy the stories of the people with the super handy spouses that can yeah. sort of go on that journey and spend all weekend doing the DIY thing. I mean, it sounds fun and it's just, I mean, not happening in my house. Like I'll tell you that. My husband can't even put up a towel hook. Like, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I know, I, I know, a, I know. I, I, I love my, I love my I, husband, and he will say it's because I always ask him for things at the wrong time, like when he's burned out at the end of a long day. But I suspect, <laughs> I suspect the same. That's so funny. So people come to you and you say, look, for you to really get something that makes sense, it's going to cost X amount. Then they say, okay, so what are... 
what are the next steps? Do you, how do you work with people who might think that they, I would say like someone middle of the road who kind of has, you know, a few ideas. Who's like, oh, well, I made a Pinterest board and I cut out a few things from Architectural Digest, but maybe they're not married to one particular idea or they want to see a few ideas. How does that, how does the whole process work from there? Okay, well, I'll tell you how, how our process works with whether it's a small project or a large project. So whether it's one room in your house or your entire house starting from scratch, after we get mm-hmm. an idea of what, what type of furniture you like, because you'll show us pictures and you'll show us rooms that you like and pieces of furniture, and we'll see what kind of furniture you currently own. So that'll give us an idea of what stores will be buying items in, which will give us an idea of price point. So we'll always send you a scope of work and it'll say what items we'll be responsible for buying and how long the project, how long we think the project will take. Like how many hours do we think are going to be invested in this project to yield this, these many pieces? That'll give you an idea of the, you know, the monetary cost of our time. And also we'll give you an idea of how much we think these items are going to cost. So it'll give you an idea of what you're going to be spending on time and furnishing themselves. And then from there, we can modify it. We can add to it. But there needs to be that initial scope of work agreement so that we all know we're all on the same page. You know, we agreed that we were buying this many things. This was the budget. And this was the estimated time. Sometimes the time, you know, if it takes a long time for people to reach decisions, we'll go. It might be a little over the estimate. But if people are quick with making decisions, we might go under. It's just, it's sort of an act of good faith is giving you what we think the total amount will be. Um, But that's, you know, it's not an exact science because sometimes an item can be picked a lot quicker than we anticipated. And sometimes things like bedside lamps can take longer to pick than a sofa, believe it or not. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not. That doesn't surprise me at all, Um, especially because there is so much out there. I think that it's, you know, and I'm sure you have your go-tos. So let me ask you, while I have time, what are your favorite places? Now, I know it's probably different for every budget and every style, but what are those places where you continue to just find yourself, you just keep, and you just keep going back there, you keep suggesting, you know, to your clients, I like these stores. Like, what are your favorites? Oh, I have so many favorites. Um, I love, so as far as the stores where you can also buy other items online, we really like Arteriors, Jonathan Adler, Anthropology has fun pieces, um, Wisteria and Wayfair. Wayfair has really good lighting. So, you know, we talk about lighting and when we splurge on lighting versus when we, you know, we do more of replicas of really cool lighting. So for splurges, you know, we'll go to, you know, really cool Italian companies. And then for the look for less, we'll go to Wayfair, which has great lighting. Um, Shades of Light also for lighting. They have cool stuff. I'm thinking about like what people have access to online in different states. So I can also give you more local stores that are local to us here in Philadelphia, but I'm not sure that that will be relevant to your, you know, customer base in L.A., um, but those are just great places um, I, to start. And no, really I think like, even though West Elm is everywhere, I really like, I really like the designers and what they're coming up with at West Elm, the really cool pieces for, um, just, you know, their, their tables, they have that, those pedestal bases that we love and we love marble. So they have a lot of cool, like marble top pieces. Um, restoration hardware has some cool pieces for dining like I like their their furniture line I love restoration Um, yeah they have some really cool pieces as just you know to sort of like to start like I'd say you're you're you don't have anything in your dining room yet I loved I love their tables and then you could do you could sort of make it unique with the chairs that you choose around it but yeah they just have classic really cool substantial pieces you know what I love from restoration hardware and a lot of people, I don't know. Let me ask you, do you have a big restoration hardware gallery in Philly or is that just in other, do they not have one there yet? 
So it's not as big as the one in New York, but in the King of Prussia Mall, they, they do have a nice gallery where you come in and you see all their furniture. You can't buy anything right out of the store. Okay. It's just their showroom, but it's, it's, it's really nice. The one in New York? And they have lighting. There? Huge. Yeah, I, it's huge. So, I mean, they invested a lot in that. But, yeah, and then people just hang out there. They even have a place to, like, eat and drink. Um, so maybe they figure people will see how comfortable their pieces are. And then just, you know, sometimes just I even am surprised. Like, you'll Google the concept that you're looking for. Like, you'll Google oval-shaped coffee table. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, like, you know, you can find really great vendors just from a searching the description of the item that you want. And, you, you know, it sounds, it sounds so simple, but it's true. And then I love, I love when you can actually see reviews and when people upload pictures of the item in their actual homes, you could see what it looks like more than just in a stock photo. And the ideal situation is when you can actually visit the store and see it and touch it and, you know, make sure it's what it looks like in real life. But sometimes when you have a time crunch and there's no gallery nearby to see it, like if we're doing staging for resale, we'll mm-hmm. purchase something online and, and we've knock on wood, we've had a lot of luck with just going by the reviews and the pictures. That's, that's lucky. I was also going to tell you, I don't know if you've ever seen the, and this is like, I think like the best kept secret for restoration hardware though, the teen line and the kids line, because it's not really for kids or teenagers. It's just more scaled to apartment and smaller spaces. I know. I know. There are little smaller spaces and the price point is better. So sometimes you'll find lighting, you know, again, if it's for staging and we have a lighting budget. You know, you can get lighting in the teen for a lot less, and it, you would never know it was from the RH teen. Same oh, with no, their I'm beds. Upset. Sometimes there's a poster bed oh, in the RH teen that we... The beds are so gorgeous. The problem is they, I think most of them only go up to queen size. They don't have king size. Yes, yes, they don't have... I don't think they have king sizes in the teen line, but we've done guest rooms with the queen, the white upholstered, tufted platform bed I forget the name of it off the top of my head but it's beautiful and people are always surprised when they find out it's from RH teen Um, oh yeah no that's like I feel like people are going to start catching on to that um I've like made it my mission to let people know about that as like my little secret because I think that a lot of times and it sort of brings me to something that I said that I wanted to talk about which is pricing because I feel like everyone that I think that people sometimes are under the impression that using a designer or shopping at a certain store costs a lot more than it does. And it makes people hesitant to even look or even consider. And we were having this conversation before we started recording about that. So I'd love for you to talk about that, how it can actually save you money to use an interior designer. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good question. So with, when you're part of a trade program with these vendors, like Serena and Lily, we love their website. They have classic yeah. pieces. We shop from them a lot. So when you're a trade member, you get, let's say you get, you know, 20% off of everything. Sometimes you Google the savvy shopper will Google coupon codes for any website, but some websites just have no, nothing. There's no sale. You almost feel ripped off because there's no coupon mm. code to punch in. But when you're in the design or trade program, you always have a discount. So how our fee structure works is we will charge the client our net price. So whatever our trade cost is, so the discounted price of the item with, let's say, a 15% markup on all purchases, because that will cover things like following up, tracking, if there's any problem with the item, talking to the vendor. You know, there's a lot of things that go on after the item has already been picked. So after the design time is over for sourcing the item. But then there's a lot of time invested after you order it on the follow-through of the piece and making sure it's installed correctly and that there's no problem. So that's why you charge a markup on the item because you're ordering it and you're responsible for it, quality. But even with that markup, you're still, as the client, paying less than what you would have paid if you had just walked in and paid retail for it. So not only are you, you know, getting 
I don't want to say a better deal, but there's no other way to say it. Sometimes you're getting actually a better deal on it, but you're also getting the assurance of a professional, uh, you know, that we've picked it and that we're going to stand by it. And if there's anything that's, if there's an issue, we're going to handle it. So there's a lot less stress when you have a designer or a decorator source the item for you and order it for you. And same with custom pieces. Sometimes, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. So you think you have to go into a big box store to buy your upholstery, but you don't know that mm -hmm. there's local stores. Uh, we love Host. It's, there's two stores located right outside of Philadelphia. It's all American made um, and really high quality furniture, upholstery, chairs, sofas. And again, with the trade discount, you're looking at a similar price to what you would pay for a non-custom sofa from a major retailer, but you get the benefit of a sofa that's exactly the size you want. And when you order it from stores that are great, but they're not custom, you know, Pottery Barn and RH, if you want a 13-foot long sectional, you're going to end up with certain amount of pieces because each piece from these, you know, let's say each piece is like three feet wide. So you're going to end up with a lot of cushions, but if you order it custom, you can tell them how many cushions you want. Because we say at a certain point, sectionals can start looking like they belong in, you know, a basement for watching big, you know, football games on the big screen when there's that many cushions. You want to, if you're going to have a big sectional on your first floor and you want it to look nice, sometimes it's better to get it custom. a lot of sense and I also think to people sort of like when you are renovating or redecorating or moving somewhere I think that like there's so many moving parts people think short term instead of long term which is getting the right thing oh you mean when when someone's just anxious to fill a space because they just moved in and they just want it to be done yeah like I think that a lot of the time people just choose things and they're like, you know, it just at a certain point, like, oh my gosh, you've done all this stuff. I, like I said, I have a friend that just moved into a brand new house and I'm like, there are just so many moving parts. I think that like people are like, oh, I'll just get a sofa. Like it's fine. And then because they've invested in it and they've recently spent so much money that they end up just like short term, not getting something they really like and not getting something that works because they just want to do it themselves. I know. It's it's hard because people are there's always a limit to time and resources with anything. And especially when you when you buy a home and you feel like it was just, maybe it was a stretch so you're it's already a shock, you know, the the cost of just moving and the cost of the new home itself and then you have to think, "Oh my gosh, like we just don't have we, do we even have the money to hire a professional to decorate this home or should we just sort of do it ourselves? Um, I think, I mean, it, it probably, it depends on the person, but I think a lot of people that are working full time that, that don't have that time to really spend on the careful thought process. I, I would say it, it would make sense for them both in the short term and the long run to hire a designer and a decorator to outfit the home because then it's saving them the headache of doing it themselves and maybe the headache of revising incorrect decisions, you know, when the piece comes in and they realize it's the wrong size or it's just the wrong style or they're disappointed, you know, it's better to do it right from the beginning than to be disappointed and then have all of that be wasted. All of those items end up, we see it all the time. They end up getting rid of it or trying to resell it. Oh, yeah. No, you always see it's so funny. Are you on Nextdoor? No. Is that when people sell their items that they don't want anymore? Well, people use it a lot of the time. Like, well, no, it's like a neighborhood sort of network. So it's like people will report missing dogs, furniture that doesn't fit their house. Like, like, there are so many people buying the wrong size furniture. Like, I always see things like brand new crate and barrel couch, never sat on, eh, turned out to be the wrong size, and they just don't want to return it, or they had it custom covered, and it can't be returned. Things like that. Um, I didn't. Is that not a thing on the East Coast next door? 
Um, and I don't know anyone who uses Nextdoor, but maybe I, I should Google it while we're talking. Is it is it it's, not a thing? Oh my going? god, it's the greatest thing. It's like people will, be, will have footage from their ring doorbells of their packages being stolen. It's it's kind of hilarious, but then like people will be people will be a little bit racist, which is like terrible. But like it's like oh, this is the worst of society. But you can get good deals on furniture, so it's just sort of like almost like a neighborhood bulletin board. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of obsessed with it. I get it. Like I get this digest once a day. Um, I sometimes people. wonder about like the sofas that are you know new and then they're being resold. Sometimes I think it's also good to hire a decorator and a designer because it might be the right sofa. You just you know, you haven't outfitted the room in a way where it's presenting the sofa in the best light. There's a whole article on this subject about how when a new piece of furniture comes in, people immediately panic and their initial instinct for the most part is to get rid of the item. Like they immediately have buyer's remorse, you know, Um, I'm going to send it to you. Uh, Yeah. I think it was either the wall street journal or the New York times had the article about why your instinct is to get rid of the new sofa as soon as it arrives especially if it's a different size or color than your previous one because it's like muscle memory except for furniture and your brain tends to not handle like changes in shapes and colors and sizes of furniture that you're used to seeing in a certain spot doesn't your brain doesn't handle the change that well at first so much this explains yeah. like and so my, you get rid I, of it and maybe there was nothing wrong with it it's no but like a lot of times I'll say it was the wrong size i i don't know but so people will hire you for either a room, a whole home. So will you oversee purchasing furniture and accessories as well as like construction? Yes, we do construction, the project management of the construction. So we do a lot of kitchen renovations, bathroom renovations. Usually the house, if it's an older house, we will manage, you know, the hardwood floor refinishing. We'll pick the stain or the floor. Same with the painting of the walls and the electrical. So we, we love our electrician and he totally, I mean, if you're going to have an electrician, I would clone mine. He's very patient. And when it comes to, you know, getting the lighting right, the location and the height of the light is so important. Many times we go into a house and we see beautiful fixtures, but they're hung either too high or too low or, you know, not in the ideal location. So it's more than just picking the right item, but it's having a qualified person install it and then having having you there to make sure it's put in the spot where it it's the most proportionally, you know, pleasing because the light, again, especially lights that hang on a chain and it's not just like, you know, an obvious, dying, it's not an obvious a spot like above a dining table, which is a standard height, but it's let's say it's two story mm-hmm. foyer. Where that light ends up falling is really important. So we manage all of that. And project management, sometimes um, people will hire us for the whole package the design, the construction, and the project management. And then sometimes that stuff will already have been completed and will come in just for the furniture portion. But you know there's always tweaks, so even when we're doing the furniture, we'll find a place maybe that doesn't have lighting that would look really cool if there was a light. So we'll recommend that. It usually ends up being more than just the furniture, no matter what. That's so that's so interesting. I think that people just don't realize how involved even just changing furniture is or even just changing up a room a little bit. Yeah, there's so many things that go into it. Um, if it's, if it's an empty room and let's say, let's start with a room we can all relate to, like a family room where you need mm-hmm. seating, you need a TV, you need all of that. Um, it tends to be more than one way to enter the room. So if there's like a pass through, there's another door, you have to think about the traffic flow through the room where you don't want to be dodging pieces of furniture to enter and exit the room. And you also have to think about, you know, are there kids, are there pets? things like that, because you want the furniture to hold up to whatever's going on in the room. And you also want it to look really beautiful. 
But the big pieces don't tell the whole story. So the little accessories and the textiles, the pillows, the throws, the art, the lighting, that's what makes the room actually come to life. So you don't want to just throw in the towel after you pick your sofa and your ottoman and your rug. You have to see it through to the end and get all those details. So in the pictures that you like and the projects, you'll notice lighting, art, accessories, sometimes more so than than the largest objects in the room, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. Now, let me ask you, because I'm going to let you go in a few minutes. I have like two more questions. What is the best way, as a designer, what what would you say is like the best advice you can give someone about communicating with their designer? Um, the best advice about communicating with their designer. Yes. Like, how do you wish people, like, I feel like everyone, you know, like, for example, like there is, I have like a wish list of things I wish editors would do. So what do you wish your clients would do that they don't? Or what is the best way to make the most when you're going to hire someone? What, how can we make as much use out of you as possible? I would say in the very beginning, when we're coming, when we're developing the scope of work, I would say if you, if you, you know, if you trust your designer, I would let them recommend the items that they think the room needs. So let's say we're doing an empty room. I would, I mean, I would love it if they would give a budget for those pieces, the accessories, but they don't seem like they're urgent needs in the beginning, but they're, mm-hmm. are, they're what ends up tying the room together and giving the room life. So I would say letting them recommend what items are needed in the room instead of dictating, you know, we only want, we only want this. We only want this piece, you know, be open to more than what you may have thought. Does that make sense? No, that does that does make a lot of sense. Now, if because we live through it, because we live through it, so we can sort of we can sort of imagine how it's going to be, and we can see the voids that are going to be needed to be filled. So, it's better to address that all up front and have a budget for that, than wait and have it sit, you know, like and then come a year later and fill it in. You want to enjoy, you want it to look beautiful from the beginning. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Now, if someone is looking for a designer, how do you recommend people find one? I think referrals are the most powerful tools for finding people, anyone that's going to be working in your home because it's a personal space. You have to really trust them. Um, I would say it's referrals. Who have your friends used? Whose homes have you been in where you love the home and, you you know, you wished your home looked like that. That's the most powerful, I think, and most reliable source is somebody that you know that has used this person. If you let me ask, what do you think about when people look, you know, on Instagram or on, I would even say like, I'm sure people find designers on Pinterest, but what do you think? I know that people like for weddings, for example, are finding all of their vendors on Instagram. Is there a big Instagram? Is that like a lot of pressure as a designer to have an amazing Instagram or do you not get a lot of clients through there? I think because designing is very visual, you have to have an Instagram or a website that showcases your work because how else are people going to know what, what your work looks like if you don't have a portfolio online and you do need to have an online presence anymore because everybody has a presence. I think that designers are expected to post more frequently than maybe somebody who has their own business in a different field that's not so driven by the aesthetic. Um, but, you know, now that I'm saying this, I'm thinking everyone, you know, hairstylists, estheticians, contractors. Uh, I mean, I feel like everyone sort of does showcase their work, um, fitness instructors, I think it's important in general if you have your own business to have an online presence, and I think it reinforces what you do. 
So I don't think it's the driving factor in getting business, but it it gives people the confidence that they have made the right decision when they, you know, they hire you, they're part of your social media and they get updates. Oh, you know, this is what they're up to. Wow, that looks great. It sort of just reinforces that they made the right decision. It shouldn't be the only reason why they make the decision. It should be on many things, but it's a good reinforcer. That's, that's definitely good to know. Now, where can people find you? So on Instagram, we primarily put our before and afters on Instagram first. And then from there, it might trickle onto Facebook. The website, I mean, I'm sure we could do better with the website. I have not, I can say I have not updated the website in quite some time. It's mostly Instagram. We're heavily Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to so say one more thing, and it just slipped my mind. Um, and, oh, oh, I okay. will say with Instagram, for existing clients, it's important. I know that sometimes when we post a renovation, our other clients will say, oh, we saw you did this bathroom. Can you do this to our bathroom? So it sort of, it it might, you know, remind them that there was something that they wanted to do, and they're ready to do it. Oh. To make a design change. Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that it's with existing clients and the clients that we've had before, it's a good reminder. That is. But even for us, though, I think, you know, we like to work with people that we know through somebody that they're, you know, somehow connected by some, by somebody. It's not some, a complete stranger. So it works both ways. You know what I mean? With both Mm -hmm. the designer and the client you want to feel like it's just, it's someone, the person that you're working with is also uh, sort of, you know, a safe, a safe person to work with versus a complete stranger, which sometimes we will work with people that find us online, but it's just a level of comfort is different when it's a referral. Especially as like a woman, you know, you're going into people's houses. Yes. Yes, exactly. Which is why I'm so grateful that I work with Pam because we go in together on the consultations. So we've knock on wood, we've never had any strange situations, Amanda, and, and I pray we never do. But but I have heard stories. I've heard stories of nightmares. Of nightmares. Oh my god, it's it's a dangerous job, but someone has to do it. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully this, hopefully it sort of uh, sheds some light on how the process works and how the pricing works. And I think it's pretty straightforward, but um, if you have any questions, you know, around the fee structure, I can address them because I don't, I don't like there to be like any mystery around it. I like transparency. So, and I think what our clients appreciate is being able to just get the receipts for exactly what the item is because I've heard stories from my clients that they've worked with companies that they don't really know how much any of the things really cost, but they just get a bill from the company. uh, And then they might find the item later and it'll be a totally different price than what they thought it was. And they'll feel, you know, they'll feel cheated, which isn't a good feeling. So I, I like the way our process is where literally like everything we buy, the client gets the receipt and then there's the markup on it. So they know that they got it for a good trade price and they know what the markup is. So, you know what I mean? It's just all transparent and everyone can feel good about it. No, that's a very good point. I think for, for all people, which is that there should be transparency and people should know what they're spending money on. Yeah. You want to know that the, you know, this rug was from this company and it cost this much, you know, and this was the markup versus here's the rug (laughs) you know, and you just apply arbitrary number to it. They don't know. They never get the actual receipt for it. So they don't really know what's going on with how this money is being spent. So we don't want that to happen. And same with the subcontractor work, Amanda, we work the same way, you know, if whatever the subcontractor work, whatever the, whatever the invoice was, plus the markup for the project management. And it gives the clients the peace of mind where, you know, we can get them multiple quotes, because, you know, it's all above board. So they know that we're working in their best interest. You know, if they don't like, if they don't like one quote, we can get them another quote because 
we can actually forward them the quotes directly even from the subcontractors so they can see how much it is and what, what's involved. That's super interesting. No, and that's something that people should definitely keep in mind, especially because you're spending a lot of money. You're spending a lot of money. Buying- I remember like I remember before I was in this industry and I was and I was really young right out of college and I was getting my first condo kitchen updated right out of co- I had no clue like where this money I mean nothing was transparent it was just one bill you know it was just a bill it's like how much really were these kitchen cabinets and how much you know I didn't know so I'm sure some people do model their businesses differently but I think transparency is I mean who can complain about transparency no one except if you just really like to complain yeah, that's then, if you're if you're one of those. But thank you so much for coming on. I'm gonna have the links to your website and to your Instagram in your show notes. So if people want to contact you or people just want to follow you on Instagram, because who doesn't need more Instagram followers? I know, and who doesn't need more inspiration? Exactly. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs>